Ephesians 6, 21 through 24, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Finishing well. That's the topic of our study in these scriptures today. These words that we have just read are the closing words of this passage. And they're not only the closing words of this letter to the church of Ephesus, they'll also turn out to be the closing words of the life of the Apostle Paul. Because a short time later, he will be writing a letter to his beloved Timothy, his son in the Lord, as he would call him, which is believed to be Paul's last letter before he was executed by the emperor. In Second Timothy, he wrote, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. As I pondered what will be my own final thoughts when it comes time for the last chapter of my life to come to a close. This age that I have reached and I'm about to enter into, they bring those thoughts to your mind. I am about to enter into those years that some have cleverly dubbed borrowed time. Those years that follow the three score and ten years that the Lord has allotted to the lives of men. We're told that in Psalm 90. Listen, the days of our years are three score years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. My days of entrance into those extra years spoken about here, they begin in just a few weeks. Now I'm in relatively good health at present, and perhaps I might reach that four score of years, though I don't necessarily hope for it or even wish for it. My life to this point, my three score and ten years, have been such delightful years. Delightful years. I could not have asked for them to have been any better. And nor do I think that I'd be able to improve on those years during these next years that are ahead of me. I've known the Lord most all of my years, and I have joyed in His presence and in all the labors of my life. But I do also accept the warning that's given here in these words, that while I have labored and sorrowed in some of my earlier years, there is still much labor and sorrow ahead of me. There is this inevitable deterioration of body and mental abilities that's common to older age. And so I know that my labor and my sorrow will be far greater than any of the suffering that I might have endured in the earlier part of my life. But also, besides my own personal labors and sorrows, in our nation today, in the words of a popular song that was written a few years ago, I see them 
really coming true in this day. Those words, the times, they are a-changing. And they are changing dramatically. And it's obviously not a good change, but one of steady and marked decline, especially in the things that really matter to our daily lives. One of the prophets of our day has said that in these recent years, our nation has reached and then passed this tipping point in its moral behavior. So much so that our people have truly become reprobate and are becoming more reprobate as each day passes. And I fully agree with him. So then as I consider and ponder about the next few years of my own life, I must confess that I do not look forward to them. This country and the people I love truly are sliding headlong into a state of ungodliness from which they most likely will never return. And that will certainly break my heart. And yes, I know that the words that I'm saying now sound bleak, but those are the facts that are in evidence before us. But with all of that being said, I must also quickly add that our nation and we and our loved ones are not without hope. Each time that I ponder the blessings of the word hope, I get encouraged. And I was able to do that as I was preparing for this message. Hope is such a good and loving gift to every soul given directly from the hand of God. He even gives hope to even the worst of unbelievers. Yes, He gives hope to us who believe, His dear children. But He gives hope even to the worst of unbelievers. And you can hear them voice their hope even as much as those of us who are devout believers in Christ. But unfortunately, the hope within the heart of an unbeliever is not the same kind of hope that resides within our heart. The hope that wells up within an unbeliever's heart has no real source to appeal to. They really have no idea from whence their relief will come. And so they just simply cry out to some unknown source for their help and hope. But still, even so, they still have hope. Thankfully, for those of us who have the Spirit of Christ abiding within us, we really do know from whence our hope will come, and that is from Christ alone. And may I also add that our hope is also in the plans that God has for us. Because though these times, they really, truly are changing. And the outlook for our nation and any return to godly morality looks extremely bleak. God really does have a plan. And His plan reaches within the ways and the circumstances of the world and He reaches out to those of us who are His dear children. As we read in Jeremiah 29, 11, He says, I know the plans that I have for you. They are for your welfare and not for your harm to give you a future and a hope. So we can look forward then to peace and comfort, at least some measure of it, even during the worst of times. And then so also as we read some of the Apostle Paul's last words to his congregation there in Ephesus, and then also his words to Timothy, we can see that he really wants those dear ones to have hope. And I want you to have hope. And a very important part of Paul's message to these believers in Ephesus is that they can have hope and encouragement even in the worst of time and in the worst of treatment and circumstances. And that's especially helpful to me as I 
then enter into my years of borrowed time. That I can have real hope, not only for myself, but also for all those that I do dearly love and that I pray for each day, regardless of our circumstances or their circumstances, and regardless of what's taking place in this world and how it is taking such a, an awful decline in moral values, we can still have hope in Christ. And it's God's greatest desire for you and me to do as Paul is doing here. And that is to finish our race well. To finish our race well. That we not falter in our last few steps of life. But that we bring glory and honor to Him right up until our last breath. Here we can clearly see in these words that the Apostle Paul is finishing his race well. And he wants his beloved children in the Lord to know that regardless of his circumstances... He personally is doing really well. He was there in the prison in Rome. He had already gone through perhaps at least two appeals. And he was looking very soon at his own death. But here he sends his dear beloved brother in the Lord, Tychicus. He says, so that you also may know, and this is Tychicus going to the church there in Ephesus, so, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, that he may encourage your hearts. Paul wanted them to be encouraged even though they would be worried about what was about to take place. It says, Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. And may I also again use this analogy of the race because it is such a, an excellent analogy. In Philippians 3, Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And not that I've already obtained all of this, he said, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He said, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing that I do, forgetting that which is behind and straining on towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You picture this race taking place and him leaning forward as he comes near the finish line. And then again in 2 Timothy, we read a moment ago, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Those are wonderful and encouraging words. But there also is a challenge that is within them. Because again, implied within all of that is this current condition of the soul of our nation. As we see how all of the walls of purity and righteousness are being torn down. And we know that soon, not one stone will remain standing to protect the souls of men. That's simply what takes place when you go past that tipping point. Surely, this descending into immorality 
will speed up so greatly over these next few short years because it has nothing to hold it up anymore. Our laws, the walls of our laws in our nation have been broken down. But even with all that being true, I am convinced that God does want you and me not to allow the circumstances of our life to discourage us in our race. He wants you and me to do just as the Apostle Paul did here, to finish this race well, to press on towards the goal, to finish and win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, long-distance runners describe a special burst of energy that comes to them as they get near the finish line. They call that special burst of energy their kick. Here the Apostle Paul could see his finish line just ahead of him, and he was experiencing this special burst of spiritual energy, and he knew that he would finish his race well. As I pondered these things for myself, I thought about the heroes of the faith that have encouraged my life personally and how they so obviously finished their race well. I thought first of Ralph Newman, my good friend. Ralph lived every day as a strong driving force in his family, in his church, in the ministry at French camp. You had no doubt when you walked beside him that he was pushing on forward, never being discouraged. He lived every day to his fullness, always ministering to others with all his heart, but also thoroughly enjoying and personally enjoying each of the days of his life. I spent some of those days with him, enjoying those days in his life, and I know that he did. And then the day that God called Ralph home, he was doing the same thing that he did every other day, living and enjoying a godly life. Another hero of the faith, my favorite, was Dr. Paul Culley. I came to know Dr. Culley late in his life. He had spent most of his life as a medical missionary in Southeast Asia and as a discipler of other missionaries. And thankfully, Dr. Culley came to live at French camp in his last years where I spent many, many delightful hours fellowshipping with him and learning from his wisdom. And again, he died as he lived. He was ministering every day of his life. One of my most favorite memories of a saint finishing her race well was an old saintly worker at French camp, our librarian, Miss Maureen McGinnis. She spent her last years ministering daily to the students and to the fellow workers there at French camp. And it was her loving custom on certain occasions to bake pies and cakes to share with the other teachers. On the morning that she died, I had the privilege of coming to her bedside and seeing her lifeless body lying there on this small bed, her soul already in heaven, but surrounding her bed were a dozen or so freshly baked cakes and pies that she intended to share with her fellow workers that day. I thought as I looked at Ms. McGinnis lying there in her final rest, what would I want to be doing on the day when God comes to take me home? What would I be doing? What would I want to be doing? It was that. It was that. Ms. McGinnis was doing what she always did. She was ministering and giving and showing love to others. And I wanted to be doing exactly that. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever you do for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did for me. As for us, 
and this moment in time. Each of us has at least this day and perhaps a few more still ahead of us. Should we not live those days well and finish them well? Because the moment will surely come when we'll breathe our last. And at that moment, we'll stand before the Lord Jesus, as the Apostle Paul spoke about there. We'll stand before the righteous judge. What do you want to have been doing in those final moments of your life? I'll tell you what I want to be doing. I want to be running as hard as I can run towards that finish line. Giving all that I have to the race that God has set before me. I don't need to be looking around me to see if anyone is about to go across that finish line ahead of me. Because thankfully, it's not that kind of race. To the contrary, it is a race where we'll want others to be moving right on past us and ahead of us into the arms of Christ. It's a race for the hearts and the souls of men. And because it's that kind of race, you and I will need to run it with diligence. As we've been studying here in these words just before these closing words, we'll be engaged in spiritual battles all through this race. And they'll take their toll on our bodies. So because of that, you and I will be running bedecked in full armor of God, fighting with the sword of the Spirit in one hand, while still just running with all of our heart, never giving in and never giving up, even for a moment. Here in these closing words of Paul, he wanted a friend to carry his last words out to others so that they would not only know how he was doing personally, but also how he was continuing to minister even while he was in his last moments of life. So then, perhaps my words to you today will accomplish some of the same for me, that you might see and hear how I'm doing personally. But more than that, how that it is my sincerest desire to continue to give Christ to anyone who will listen. And this is how I want to spend the remaining portion of my race. I want to be crying out to you and to others, especially my beloved family members, pleading with each one to receive Christ before it's too late. In the words of Romans 11, verse 14, If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Again, I do realize that as I engage in these fourscore days of my life, the outlook, especially for righteousness within our nation, truly is bleak. Which means that ministry to our loved ones, those that we truly want to turn their hearts to Christ, will be difficult. More difficult than ever before. Children, even those in their 20s and 30s, have a new and more liberal, misguided view of God's plans especially for moral behavior. But I do fully intend to continue to speak the truth in love, whether they listen or not. And I do fully intend to give the gospel, whether they listen or not, because this gospel is the only means by which their souls can be saved. And to you, my brethren, who know and love the Lord Jesus as I do, I also want to lock arms together with you for you to help me, for me to help you as we strain forward towards that finish line with all the fervor and all of the hope that's within us. May I close with these words from Philippians 3. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection 
the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to finish and to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I challenge each of us to finish well. Let's pray.